I'm gonna be honest with you. As much as I support black women, oh no, I don't know Where if I could do going? public bonnets, man. I don't know if I could advocate for public bonnets. How y'all feel about bonnets in public, man? I know it's three niggas on the on the podcast. If it's a company with a sundress, I'll forgive it. <laughs> Why would a bonnet be a company with a sundress? Balance, <laughs> flow, flow. <laughs> Matt is a man of few words today, but very poignant it's with it. It's working now. Yeah, he's efficient today. I'm all about freedom, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Tom, Tom, how you feel about you bonnet? Wear that bonnet. I mean, I, like we were talking about before, I suppose it depends on the context. Like, bonnets plus, uh, you know, sweatpants to the grocery store doesn't sound that crazy. But that story you told, like, I don't know, you might have to retell that yeah, story. That So, let me tell you something. Because why would you go in jeans? <laughs> if you got sweat, if you got a bonnet on, why would you put jeans on? Right. Yeah. Well, it just story. defeats everything. Yeah. I was um in Can my, I hear this story, man. In my former <laughs> career that I retired from, because that's how I'm branding it now. <clears throat> in my former career, uh, I was incubating a nonprofit that's from the area. Meaning that uh within the nonprofit I was working with, we were providing funding, stats, data, kids. Etc. So this nonprofit can go from ground zero to you know maybe second, third floor, figure out what they want to do with they with they funded and stuff, right? So as we are um, getting ready to sign a new contract, it's actually signing day. Sign a new contract on how much money they're gonna get, um, how we gonna put them in positions, how we you know putting them, giving them rewards, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. These two young ladies, it was noon. They told me earlier that they had a. Uh, award ceremony that they were attending and I was like oh that's interesting I ain't getting no invite but cool you know mm. but yeah, whatever, whatever. Paying for this uh, right right exactly cool but cool uh, these two young ladies when we were getting ready to meet with the president of the company the executive director who was my direct boss at the time they came in pajama pants and bonnets both of them and I was like Ugh. deflated why are y'all putting me in this position <laughs> <laughs> Because I know the question is going to come like, hey, B, how you feel about them in their dress attire today? And we know, or at least you should know, that professionalism is another agent of, of whiteness, So, what, in my perspective. So was the, the rationale, hey, we have this award show coming up, we're in bonnets and stuff as we're prepping, like going through makeup and whatnot, and we stopped by the office. Or was, was this, this like the next day and they woke up late type of Or was this like a plan, like, yo, y'all, we're going to meet on this date, and they showed up on this? We had had the meeting. It was done for like six months. <laughs> like, it's a whole tracker that we put out. You know what okay. I mean? So the date was coming, and I I guess I, I could see the excuse of, oh, we got the award ceremony, so we want to come pre-makeup, but like, Nah. Yeah, see, when you proposed it earlier, you didn't yeah. give me the use case that they'd be in the office or, like, <sighs> around corporate sponsors and, and higher-ups. I was thinking just outside but see, on, okay, like, Georgia I, Avenue. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I'm battling is because in, in this conversation, it's a public conversation happening about bonnets right now, and the public conversation is being framed that every other demographic gets to walk around with messy hair or bed hair or, like, whatever the hair is. When they wake up. And it almost becomes a fashion statement. <laughs> right. But black women have to have all these protective stages, protective agents and styles and devices, including the bonnet, that even when worn in public, they're ridiculed for that. So the I think the, not I think, the bonnet conversation stems from the marginalization of black women. Mm. And as much as I agree that black mid matters, like you don't have to be perfect. <laughs> to be black respected, mid, black mid matters. Yeah, that's my thing, man. I'm trademarking it too, baby. <laughs> oh, black, hold on, I'm black, black mid matters. Mid, mid, right? Okay, gotcha. Mid being like a, a quality point, like not everything that black folks has to do has to be excellent. You right, gotcha. standard. Right, right. So as much as I think that you know you should you should be able to be imperfect and still be respected, I think the bonnet's taking it too far. <laughs> yeah, bonnet. Bonnet's still an accessory at the end of the day. Yeah. But, you know, that's all I got to say on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, while we have this impasse, uh, 
Welcome to the Over the Shoulder Podcast. This is your chance to eavesdrop on three professional creators as we discuss the sources, happenings, and inspirations from the creative industry, from film to production to music to culture. Join us each week as we push the envelope on the possibilities of the creative industries. Your hosts for this week are your main man, 902,000 grand, Bimo Brown. What's up, baby? How we doing? What's up? Hey. Hey. Yeah, this is your boy, Thomas, a.k.a. Thomas the Great, a.k.a. The, the Facilitator. Did you pick the no look, man? Yeah, I did. Hey, Matt, Backpack Matt, Mr. Backpack, paying my debts, paying respects, so I can pay it forward, the silent partner. Very happy to <laughs> be so here. That boy Cole that with it today. Bars, boy. Look out, J. Cole. Very happy to be here today, yeah. <laughs> Balling in two arenas. Yep. I fucking love it, bro. I fucking love it. It's so good to see y'all. You good too, to man. see y'all. Yeah. It was good to hang out with y'all this weekend. Right. We actually did some real life hanging. Yeah. Yeah, we shot at Off each mic. other. Off mic, yeah. yeah. We shot at each other. We we're actually other. We're friends. I was solidly last and picked last and was on a different team and everything. <laughs> we was talking about your ass, too. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because I came on African time? I mean, you want to call it African time, you can call it that. But we just laughing at you because, like... Because uh, you know how time You know how time time is man I'm looking at Matt You know how time I mean, fits y'all, in. y'all niggas know I showed up after that shit I showed up to the to the food yeah, No no so. See Matt was on African time I was I came an hour Yeah he did You know yeah. 30 minutes hour I was out At a certain point I knew I wasn't gonna make it there <laughs> To laser tag But I was like You know what well, Shit was fun up. No Shit was fun I appreciate y'all Appreciate y'all pulling up for your boy's birthday Okay 32 32 hey. Old man age oh. What's up Lafayette How you doing man with the with the colors the on homie in the building. Color University. Shout out Mitch. Mm. Give you air one, brother. Yeah. <laughs> air down. Yeah. Appreciate that. There you go. But yeah, you know what time it is. It's time for, for the, the word, word of, of the, the day. day. The of day. The day. Today's word of the day is brought to you by the dictionary app. This is our attempt to expand your lexicon, to uh add abundance to your verbiage, to uh 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 do something to your diction. I don't know. Drop a couple words and see what happens, bro. <laughs> yeah. That's what we're going to do. Word of the day is a palaver. Palaver? Palaver. Palaver. Okay, okay. It's a noun, right? Mm-hmm. So it means uh, profuse and idle talk. Chatter. Palaver. So it's like that's quite a palaver? Or that was quite I a mean, palaver? that'll always work, Tom Tom. Because that is a very general statement. It is. That just uses a noun. Why the noun? Is that a palaver? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. That, that was a hell of a palaver, uh, yeah. my man Liddell. Uh, thanks, Tom Tom. Usually, we appreciate you. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the, the examples they always give are kind of shit, but, you know. All the while in the background, from cocktail palaver to prominent blogs, there were questions about the bona fides of polit- political appointees in the PTO leadership. That was a mouthful. Yeah. That's when they, I, don't, I don't really hang around niggas who talk like this. You know what that just made me think of? What? I feel like, uh, ooh, I was watching something on college admissions. Don't know what it was. Maybe, maybe I just found out that Michigan doesn't have affirmative action anymore. Did y'all know that? I feel like I'm... Read no. something about this recently. Anyway, the sentence you just read, even the statement that you said that like they always give shit examples. I feel like that's that's how niggas don't do well on standardized <laughs> like the SAT and the ACT. Right. Niggas like, don't talk like, like that. Like, yeah, niggas don't like niggas don't talk like that and like even the smart fields. ones don't yeah. talk like that. Right. No, and it's not and it's not a question of competency. Like niggas know the words, but it's more like what if I talk like that? Maybe if we were part of an aristocratic class in like 1930, like this shit would have been like a standard ass sentence. But I mean, I mean, yeah, but like a lot of these words seem like a verbose way to just say something mad regular. Like, I'm really gonna say palaver in a sentence to, sitting here talking with my homies. I don't see it. I, I might use anything else. Like, yo, that was a lot. I don't know. Something. I think they just gotta pay respect to certain historical. Etymology, right? Because right. you start consolidating words as part of a culture or a language because, you know, different subgroups have different words that they use in that mm-hmm. slot. But I'm sure along the way there's been a natural selection where certain words like palaver just no longer made the cut. 
Yeah, at a certain like point, gotta, we just got to remove those words out of the dictionary for good. Like erasure. Hey, look, does it have where the country of origin of palaver is? I bet you, well, no, I bet you. It's usually they're like Latin, stuff like that. Comes from the Portuguese palavra, word, Portuguese. talk, speech. Portuguese. By way, by way of sailor's slang. Interesting. Hmm. See, my geeky ass. So it's a sea start. term? Like yeah, sailors? Yeah. Uh, Pala- yeah. Portuguese pirates. And yeah. sailors. My nerdy ass would think like, and what you just said, Matt, about like language being the amalgamation of culture, right? And Tom, Tom, you just said, uh, um, and regular everyday talk, right? Regular everyday talk, and also you said like most shit is Latin. So then my nerdy ass just thought like, I wouldn't. Are Portuguese words being replaced? Portuguese was commonly used as a trading language to the West African coast and the indigenous people of that region, especially in West Africa. Have you ever heard Portuguese? Like, no. listen to it? No. It sounds Russian. Like, if you really think, like, if you're listening to how they pronounce words and some other stuff, like, it, it almost sounds Russian. Pardon me. Uh, of the West Coast. And palaver came to English in the sense of a parlay or conference typically between Europeans and the indigenous people. Interesting. So two classes are two totally different cultures and power dynamics coming together to, to try to communicate, talk some shit. And now one of those power dynamics has completely eradicated the indigenous culture. Are there, is there even a Portuguese? We're going too far. Let's yeah. go into hey, this. I think this might have been the best word of the day that we've had. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we really don't. I think we should it, just man. do it like this from now on. Just be like, yo, this word sucks, but like, let's talk about it. <laughs> right, let's keep talking. Let's about talk, about talk about why it sucks. Why it sucks. I'm actually yeah. listening to a new podcast. It's called What in the Lexicon. I think it's a, I think it's a Headgen podcast, but it actually breaks down etymology like on 30-minute basis. And it started with slang. It started with a slang episode. It was pretty dope. dope. But let's get to um, let's get to this week in creativity. I want to play a clip for you that's uh, buzzing around the internet right now from Dwayne Wade as he talks about his relationship with Gabrielle Union. Y'all take a listen. Let's, let's get some thoughts. In relationships, you know, we come in and we try to change people. We try to change them to the way that we want them to be. But I decided to start taking a different approach, you know, in this, in this relationship. I think early on I came in like, hey, you get two drink max, uh, bop, 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 bop. And she didn't respond well to that. No, I did not. <laughs> it was reasons for that, too. That's, let me say that. Um, I have a good time. <laughs> Life of the party right here. It's not the man leads and the woman follows. That's not what we live in this house, you know, yeah. at all. So for me, I have a wife that works just not not just as hard, harder than I. Um, and she had her own career. She had her own life before I came along. So from my from my perspective, it was like, okay, how can I be a part of the growth and the evolution of who she is, and not yeah. trying to change her or stunt or stunt her growth or make her in in the way that I see. Thoughts, fellas. <clears throat> D Wade has a conversation in which he is illuminating the fact that. In his household with Gabrielle Union, uh, that he is not on the leadership team; he is on the development team. And then, of course, we see—we <laughs> gonna talk about it in the next one. But we see a certain subsect of of men on Twitter who use certain language are having a reaction, which is negativity towards Dwayne Wayne, say that he does not—he's <clears throat> a, a beta male, if you will, because he <laughs> doesn't—he doesn't lead his. He's household. a beta. That, that word. Yeah. Tom, Tom, what are your thoughts, man? I mean, at, at, for face value, I, I don't know. It just it sounds like how a relationship is supposed to be. He, like the, the for lack of better words, inflammatory titling to what is what the article the the video is will make you think that he's going to say something like left, but he's really just saying like, you know, I encourage my wife and. You know, she works as equally as hard as I do, so we both get a say when things happen type of thing. It's not just me telling her, this goes. Right. That's how you're supposed to treat your wife. Your wife is supposed to help you improve your life. You're supposed to help improve hers, blah, blah, blah. But, <clears throat> look, um, I don't know any woman who I've dated who would have allowed me to implement a two-drink policy. <laughs> so I think that just speaks to the type of women that I date. <laughs> I just leave it at true, that. true. So I mean, in terms of leading, like I've never viewed it as like a man should lead in that way. I mm-hmm. think it's a partnership, it's a team 
dynamic and it's like we lead in where we have that best where we're best suited to lead and right. make that decision as a team mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying to like it's not better mind leadership it's just lead like you're saying lead appropriately in a sense right i think yeah communication is more so than anything than uh, i think a bi-directional communication as opposed to what he showed at the beginning which was like a one-way unidirectional hey two drinks because I got my reasons, but like, nah, niggas ain't on that type of time. And I don't consider that shit beta male. Like, I think, I th- I don't have any, fr- hopefully I don't have any friends in my circle who even use that term beta male, because I think that shit is beyond corny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> niggas who, <laughs> niggas who classify like, themselves. I, I was having a convo <laughs> with somebody earlier, and I was explaining that, like, you know, the, the athlete who chooses to have, like, the trophy wife yeah. and says, yo, you quit your job. And then, you know, all this stuff and she, like, becomes the mom that serves the family and all that. Like, at the end of the day, the you you created this trophy wife. So if you get bored with it and you don't like it, whose fault is it but yours? Right. Facts. Um, well, it seems like we all agree, so I'm not, I'm not going to jump on the agree train. But let me ask you a question that expands the thought. Do you think men will see this on a, on a macro scale? And uh, want to follow a D Wade's example. I don't know. I, I got you know. I, I I retired from speaking for other niggas in 2019, so oh, I can't nice. really make. Oh, they go your jersey up there. I yeah, see it. My bad, bro. Yeah. My bad. My bad. You know I'm saying it's tucked off, dust away. I'm not really proud of that one. But <laughs> but yeah, I don't really I don't really defend random niggas. I don't know anymore. No um, ways. All controversy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> that's patriarchy you know what I'm saying like doing that but uh, rephrase the question because I did have some uh, well restate the question the, qu- the question is do I'm you right. see men following D. Wade's example I think I think I think like, you know. I think men who think the same way as him probably arrived to that point without him facts yeah like on a self development tip or like a I learned this in my relationship and the whole happy wife. Like, so it seems like a very variation of the happy wife, happy life. Same, same combination. Like, you know, went to, you know, maybe worked some things out, whether you went to traditional therapy or non traditional therapy. Like, somebody who's actively sought a while ago to get to that type of answer, unfortunately, you know, D Wade probably had to put in the work a while ago. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Yeah. To be that, you know, and he's been through some shit, you know, in the public eye and he's had to, you know, be a stand-up dude in multiple fronts. That's right. That's right. What you think, Tom Tom? I don't know. I, I feel like I've been saying my piece. I, you think other niggas will follow D-Wade, though? No, no. I definitely agree with Matt's point of view. Like, those who get to that destination, like, chose to, you know, go out on that journey on their own and have their own, like, self-exploration. Yeah. It, it really depends on the type, what type of power dynamic do you want to have in your relationship. A lot of niggas want the, want, uh, superior, inferior kind of uh, dynamic, right? You know, and I think I think uh, what women are telling us and what society is shifting towards is that that what you say you unidirectional power power dynamic. It's not gonna work. No, it's not gonna work. And to to a point that you made earlier, Tom Tom, even if it did work, I'm pretty sure at the end of the day, nobody gets what they want. Like you don't, <laughs> you try to control someone and you can't, and someone who's under control is trying to not be under control and they can't. So it just seems to be a, a, a circle of toxicity, if you will. Yeah, I do, that's I, a good way to put it. In this in this era of the Kevin Samuels of the world, um, in which I hear a lot of these men who are making the anti point <clears throat> against D Wade saying that. Uh, because he doesn't have leadership in his household, that somehow makes him weak. I just want people to know that that's, I feel like that's a, a direct offset of patriarchy, right? Um, patriarchy says that in order for men to have value, that they create these little power dynamics and create domain over someone so they can remain in power. That's just, that's just whack. Um, and it's dangerous to think that because you have a dick or because your genetic code is of a certain a certain type that you have power over someone. That's the same thickness as that's the same thinking as whiteness in my opinion. So if you listen to this shit and you using terms like beta male and you thinking about power dynamics it's about leading weird. Your house, it's you weird, weird, bro. It's that ego shit. <laughs> you off, son. Speaking of off niggas though. Oh boy. 
New check, maybe a new segment of the show should be what's okay. Kwame Brown doing? Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> what the fuck is Kwame Brown doing? No, but seriously, serious question though. Two questions. Uh, uh, Kwame Brown has come after one of my personal heroes, Charlemagne the God. We can talk about that in a second. And secondly, though, how come Kwame Brown don't got no show on Fox yet? I mean, that's that's long overdue. I mean, he's shooting, he's shooting off the hip. I haven't seen so many videos start off with bitch ass nigga. <laughs> <laughs> this nigga start this shit off. Yeah, bitch ass nigga. Fuck, I told you. Uh, motherfucker. <laughs> Mama's cooking, nigga. Oh my fuck. Do, do you find it entertaining or is it like watching the train wreck type of thing? It's uh Or a combination of the two. He's like, Kwame Brown is like the Joker we never asked for. Because he's just wreaking havoc and there's nothing that you can do about it. I think we Charlemagne apologizes. He and apologizes, and he's like, "Fuck your apology." Hold on one second. We gonna get to Charlemagne. I think, I think Kwame is the Joker that we built. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I was and over the last couple of days that we I, deserve it. Definitely, we deserve it. I've been watching old media clips of Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless talk about Kwame Brown when they were on the same show. And I'm like, whew, mm. this shit does not look good now. There is a whole episode, like a series of episodes, might be like two days. When the, the one with Jalen Rose in it? When it's Jalen Rose versus Skip Bayless and uh, uh, Stephen A. Smith. And they're talking about their role as media members in sports. And Jalen Rose says something I said last week. He's like, I don't mind niggas talking about skills and shots and et cetera, <laughs> but the moment you start calling Chris Bosch, uh, what's the, what they call him? Bosch Spice. Bosch Spice. Like, what is that? What are you critiquing? Right. What are you saying at that moment? Right. And they start talking about um, Kwame's uh, a bona fide scrum. And Stephen A doubles down. Right. Now, I ain't heard Steve, now, correct me if I'm wrong, Matt. I ain't heard, I feel like Stephen A might be the last nigga on the planet who hasn't responded to Kwame Brown. I think he wow, might have. Yeah, you might be right. might have been Everybody on. else has either said, you know, come still. I think what Matt Barnes has said, you know, come on the podcast. Give us the smoke. Look, uh, We mean, can fight beforehand if we need to. And what happened? Kwame just kept releasing more videos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now that Steve, now Steve consistent is, with it. Steven A just going to shut the fuck up. And now he's just like doubled down on, on Charlemagne. Why? Because Charlemagne stepped out there. He did. Kwame's, you know, Kwame's relentless, man. And a sniper. Yo, Kwame is like a, a a YouTube battle rapper. Yeah, but <laughs> like but as soon as you step out, boom, <laughs> out the gate. You know what I'm saying? Like, like he almost he's like baiting niggas into this shit now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's a uh, shit. He's like this nigga might become like the next Hassan Campbell or some shit. Like <laughs> <laughs> YouTube niggas now. Um, it's weird shit, but. <laughs> Kwame Brown become the next Hassan Campbell. That'd be Yo, crazy. You gotta chill. <laughs> I can't even hey, pretend it's not like far fetched, man. That just it's pop not, up. I can't even pretend like I know who that is. You just gotta go down a couple of YouTube. Just put, it, put it in the joint, dog. Put it in the joint. Go down the wormhole. You ain't been down the the battle rap uh, <laughs> rabbit hole it's yet. Not, it's not even the battle rap bat, uh, uh, rabbit hole. It's like I go inside and come back out. Like I don't necessarily stay there. Mm. It's like, um, you know, like Dr. Umar and shit. So it's like a whole universe. It's a whole <laughs> multiverse of like uh, yeah. niggas similar to him. But, okay, but um, because he did, he did call out Charlemagne on some on some shit. The thing that I love about Kwame Brown, as we give him to wrap up our weekly section, uh, the thing I love about him is that Matt, you put it right. He is the Joker that uh, the Joker that we deserve because this nigga is just the beacon of a perspective of like, what if you're wrong? And of course, that expands into other shit. What other shit do you be talking about? I don't. I mean, he he's there's a couple times where he pointed out. So you know, on these rants, he's talking shit about whoever he's aiming at. Mm -hmm. But then he'll sneak in some shit where I'm like, yeah, this dude is definitely a right wing ass nigga. Like if <laughs> if him being on a tractor wasn't proof enough, like <laughs> was it the mention? Hold on, he made a video while he was on a tractor. I believe so, but he or he had just came in from being on a tractor. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. But hey, once you start. The referencing farm. Candace Owens and how she hasn't gotten a fair shake in terms of an argument because there are certain points that she says that are valid. Or once you start using terms like beta male when, you know. You over there. Right. <laughs> you over there. You right. fully over there. like. But it still seems like he is being embraced in a sense because I feel like it's just a, uh, a it's just a, a, his truth. There's a, there's a right. amazing quote from Michael Caine in The Dark Knight. Go ahead. 
Some people just want to watch the world burn. <laughs> so, Top Top, you went to some events over the week. Let's talk about them. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, Why are you see. nervous? Some people just want to watch the world burn. That's the way. Thanks, Matt. Close. That was, <laughs> well, was that supposed to be Alfred's voice? That was him. <laughs> that was spot on. What do you mean? Oh, man. Mr. Wayne. <laughs> talk, talk, tell anyway, us about your events, anyway. man. And don't be nervous, man. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just listening. Um, Although I not, should not, say, not too much smoke. Let me, not, not let, me too much. let me just say this before you get started. Um, in the event world, okay. I don't think I'll be satisfied with anybody's events until I start doing mine again. I suppose that's fair. Because <clears throat> mm. it's a standard, okay? And okay. I'm not seeing it. Talk about it. No, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Damn. We, we've been trying to get Bimo to talk about it for months. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. I'll talk about it, but talk about Ur- your events. Urbane first. on the way. <laughs> Urbane Ur- coming Ur- soon. Go ahead. Um, yeah, so I went to uh, Groovy Dreams, which with, with um, Dreams of Triumph. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was located at um, Birdland in Union Market. A word? Yeah. What did they do? I'm sorry? What did they do? Like they had a pop up for his clothing brand. Or oh, you what you you talking about what it's Birdland? I mean they just they just put the clothes in Birdland and told people to come through? Essentially, yeah. So like Birdland is it's like two spaces. So the first <laughs> the first space is the record store and then the back space is kind of like this open area. So yeah. He kind of made it into his dreams of triumph world, had rugs, had the clothes, had his his uh photos and the in you know, prominently framed and stuff like that, and made a whole atmosphere for his for his audience. Why Birdland, though? And I feel like the groovy dreams part of it was tapping into the records. In addition to like the theme of the release was compared the comparison. Like not, com- I forget the exact phrase. I can look it up to be to be precise, but um, let me see if I can find it right quick. I mean, I don't, I don't mean to grill you, Tom. Oh, comparison this. is a thief of joy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that That's that was like, that right. that was pretty much the main, the main. What's the word I'm looking for? Not theme. logo. Theme, theme for, for the uh, for the release. Mm-hmm. That's dope. That's and then he made some shirts behind it, and you know, really some of his other stuff. For sure, definitely send me a link to that. I'll, I'll support. Most definitely. What's the other event you went to? All right, so the second one was uh, a Chris Cardi. Like weekend takeover at um, Common Thread, aka Swatch Room mm-hmm. slash In Seven Words. Mm-hmm. So also Union Market adjacent, and you know similarly, um, he kind of you know took outside and kind of took it over. Had a little mini golf course, and he um, fire in, within inside. No, right beside him there was like a little, um, I guess a little bar situation, and then the a girl was making. Uh, Infused alcoholic drinks, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and she gave out a sample that you could smell the dank in it. Um, and then you know, you when you went inside, it, the pl- the place was adjusted from its normal, you know, for its, from its normal for- format or layout, and then you know, to open to be open to the experience. So, Tom, Tom, now that you've been hitting up events for a minute, what are you seeing as a trend across? Like coming into summer 2021, what do you think we're going to see a lot more of this year and moving into next year in terms of experiences? Um, I mean, I, I suppose much like our discussion was last year, um, if you're going to do a pop-up, you really have to like make it your own experience. So like when you go to BMO's event, there's like a three-dimensional like experience within it. There's the music, there's the artistry, I'm forgetting the third element. Help me. I forgot to. He, <laughs> this man even helped me. And the, and the help. vibes. It's the vibes. And the, the vibes. Podcast, the, the music, the artist, both visual and sonic. Right. And then there's the interview portion, which gets the audience who's there to really get to know the person. And it creates content that you get released digitally. Exactly. So it lives on. So it lives so, in a multi-dimensional so, way. Mm-hmm. It exists in a multi-dimensional way. And it's like, if you're not doing that or if you're not giving me more than one thing or something that truly makes this your experience, then what are you giving me? Right. Or, right. 
Right. Y'all ready for the money move of the week? Yeah, let's talk about this money move. <laughs> what, Top Top? What you want, man? I don't need nothing. I think uh, this you gave me the play. Hey. The, well, now you gave me. I took the platform that we have and did what I was supposed to. They sound like no. They sound like pretty um, interesting events. Chris Carter, he has he has his own line. Yes, like on the original clothes. Yes, that he can pretty much sells himself. Why don't niggas go to the gift shop? Well, like to do events. Yeah. Um, Keep I'm it a not... buck with me. You don't know. The limitation to the amount of space you have, like it's stuck in the front portion. Like we can't go back for past the, the second space. Like if I'm coming to do an event there, y'all will say that's off limits, and that's almost the best part. Mm. That, that's just me being honest. I know. I want you to be honest. I want you to be honest. Cause like the the front space. Yes, if I can cater this to my liking and can do this with, and make this my world, yes, that's beautiful. But you know the backspace. There's already that wall that has the, the lighting and everything. It would be smart to make uh, to be able to use that. Interesting. Okay. Like like at the Dreams of Triumph thing, one of the things that made it fun and, and like fun to be part of was there was a photo booth situation. So people coming up to that and doing interacting and doing their thing. And there was a girl who was printing Polaroids on the spot. So you come to her, she you have your little pose, you do your little thing, she takes the photo and just prints it up and hands it to you. Dope. Cute. Dope experience. A little, little extra. Okay. Extra tip of the hat. All right. But that's not like a condemnation or anything. I, I no, love I'm the gift shop. Nigga, I don't give a fuck. No, it's great. Use your feedback. <laughs> I'm just curious. I'm just seeing, I see a lot of black brands in the city doing pop-ups in adjacent places, but not. I don't see a lot of people just coming to knock on the on the door. And I mean, like, for example, in both of those situations, Yeah. Those are personal relationships that now stand to benefit me in this moment. So, like, Chris Cardi has a good relationship with Lauren, who manages the spot. Mm -hmm. And then the same thing applies to Berlin. This is Chadwick, who's also a known and prominent figure. So if he's giving you the space to do something, even if you had, even if you thought of somewhere else, this may suit me better to do it here because I know this guy. Okay. Relationships are everything. Interesting. This is interesting, that's all. Anyway, what's uh the money move of the week, Matt? What we got? Hey, man? what y'all crypto niggas saying now? It's like, nah, I'm, I'm kind of in the boat with y'all. Hey, man, so I, I'm not really. I, I haven't invested in Dogecoin, but you know, shout outs to y'all niggas, y'all. You know, hopefully anybody who was able to get out at a good time because Doge was definitely going to the moon. Shout out Elon Musk for heavily manipulating the markets over the past couple of weeks, <laughs> fucking a lot of niggas up. <laughs> hey, but um, there's been a big shift too because China, I believe, they placed a big ban on. Um, the use of cryptocurrencies like uh, Bitcoin um, for you know something anything that's happening kind of in the mainland. So that I think that contributed to a sell-off where Bitcoin was trading at like fifty-five k to fifty-eight k, and then it, now it's down to like thirty-seven. Twenty-eight. Ethereum went from um, forty-one hundred to about like twenty-six right now. Mm. So hey, this is just a reminder, like you know. If you got in a game, you in a game. You know, it's not a loss until you pull your money out. Facts. As a loss. That's the only time you realize it. Right now, consider everything as being on sale. It's a very, very, very uh big sale going on. <laughs> like some you know, a third of the value off, but this is a great time to get in if you do have some extra money. But here hey, this is the game that we play. You know, this isn't ETFs where you're you have more control risk and whatnot and you know the volatility is not that mm -hmm. dramatic, that, uh, that dramatic. Well, yeah, but you know if you want to play the, the crypto game, yo, you know you got to hold on for dear life. You know it's a, it's a bunch of reasons why they have those terms. You know, um, but if you come out on the other end, you know, kind of taking in responsible strategies and not selling when shit gets kind of crazy. You know, you you flip that thinking to see how things will turn out in the next six months. Is it? Is it? Um, what's the word I want to use? Is it a smart tactic to, like, just invest the money you can serve to lose? So, like, let's say you take an L on it. Are you really that heartbroken? Yeah, I think there's some risk tolerance. I, I think it's a. I think it's always good to have, like, there's a Dave Ramsey framework, if if you want to talk about it like that. It's like good old you Dave should have they, the, the rule of thumb, and I'm not saying I follow this. This is something I aspire to follow, is to have three to six months of 
whatever your normal income is on hand as liquid savings. After that, if you have like 401ks and, you know, company sponsor, you know, um, um, vehicles, then take advantage of those, max those out. Otherwise, then you can start, as long as you have that cushion of savings for the three to six months, after that, you can, you know, afford to just invest. If you don't do that shit, if you don't invest three to six months, which I feel like most people don't, like, just be, I like to dollar cost average. So instead of trying to like buy the dips all the time and wait for prices to go up and go down, I don't have time for that shit. I got work to do. I got other things to do. So I'd rather consistently put in money, right. even if it's a small amount on a daily basis. It could be 20 bucks a day. It could be a weekly basis, 100 bucks a week, 50 bucks a week, into, you know, just so I can stay disciplined. So that's my, those are, those would be my, that would be my advice to kind of get started. And during this time, if you do have coins and you just kind of got in the game, hold on, watch how things shake out. It's a great opportunity to buy in, you know, reverse your thinking and you'll be better off. That's exactly what I did. You see, you see the queen mothers uh, walk by? Hey, I did. Just carefully making sure we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. We are. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) We sure are. I, Matt, I appreciate your advice. I am new to the crypto game. <clears throat> I did get in on uh, the Bitcoin and the Ethereum um, in a small dip before the crash happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, fake out. <clears throat> so, I, I mean, it's cool. I mean, I'm in it for the long game to Tom Tom's point, like the money that I do have in there that I've been micro-dosing, micro-investing um, to your point, Matt. It's, I, mean, it's, it's, I mean, I'm not missing it. I'll be fine. I'll yeah. be fine. And if that shit takes a turn, I'll be even better. Right. Yeah. I would recommend having an Acorns account okay. app download. or I know they have like other apps similar to it, but where it takes like change or the difference between a total that you pay for at a store. So say you pay like sixteen sixty three. Yeah. Then like the, the difference to make that a whole dollar amount would be like 37 cents. So the keep the change type shit. Oh. So over time, it kind of. Yeah, so, that's that's how Acorn works. That's Acorn. Yeah, that's what Acorn. Yeah. So. Um, I know a lot of people are probably familiar with it, but I use it like even if I don't want to dip into my savings or if I had like a crazy week, like I can just pull, you know, a couple hundred bucks out of that shit and just exactly. be good. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Growing savings account. All right. We're going to take a quick musical break. We're going to play a wonderful tune, which is a weird way to describe this next artist. This is our friend from the area. His name is Uncle John. Uh, this is his song, Tell Far From the wonderful album Drill Scott Heron will be back with more over the shoulder after this. Selfish, but I like the way she looking. I'm the one like Devin Booker. That was your bitch, but I took her. I got hoes like Pinky. Knuckle, step in the party, I shook him. Shut up, my niggas from Brooklyn. Knuckle. Yeah, she went a bad from Telfa. Got it herself, I ain't even have to help her. Got me geeked up like Velma. Yeah, she carry packages like a bellman. I keep the 40 piece, but I felt it. People get energy and they felt it. Yeah, she went a bad from Telfa. Got it herself, I ain't even have to help with Gonna get up like Thelma, yeah She carry packages like a bellman I keep the 40 piece by the pelvic People the energy and they felt it Yeah She went a bad from Telfa I replied, bitch, hell nah You bring any harm to anybody in the fam I kill y'all I don't feel y'all Yeah You look like a vibe I can sit 
in the eyes, she ready to give me them thighs, yeah. She carry a 38 inside her bag, it ain't a surprise. She bass came with a tribe, her ass let her sniff lines. I ain't from the woo, but I do the woo dance. Lordy, you see me as him. She with a friend, throw up the L's and look like a win, yeah. Everything that I drop was a classic, bitch, I can do it again. She look like a 10. Swipe a nigga car, send me the bin. Yeah, she went a bag from Telfer. Got it herself, I ain't even have to help her. Got me geeked up like Velma. Yeah, she carry packages like a bellman. I keep the 40 piece, but I felt it. People get energy and they felt it. Yeah, she went a bag from Telfer. Got it herself, I ain't even have to help her. Motherfucking Uncle John up in this bitch. I John thought that Uncle was John part of the song. I could have my eyes closed. That's his. Uh, that's his motherfucking ad lib. Y'all listen, to Uncle John for real. Nah, I fuck with. I fuck with Uncle John. John, man, that's my man. That's from the from his uh, one of his latest projects, Drill Scott Heron. Yeah, love that Ball. title. Love it. Said she want a bag from Telfar. I, I thought that bitch, bitch hell no. Nah. <laughs> what a poet. Mm. <laughs> Y'all are foolish. Oh, man. Speaking of equity, you mind if I go too deep? Go on in, play. <clears throat> so as a content creator, I find it pitiful to constantly investigate that which inspires, confounds, and disrupts creativity. Each week, I explore one creative concept, deconstruct it, and analyze it to its creative atoms. This week, can a straight black boy love the rainbow? Interesting. When I was a kid, I loved the rainbow. This is like now, I'm a little, I just had my 32nd birthday, so I'm getting close to the time time's age at 45. So, shout out to me. Appreciate that. Love the the embellishment. Love the embellishment. The older I get, the older time time gets. That's how it has to work. He he gets one year older, he adds five to mine. That's right. He was 40 last week, he's 45 now. He can round up to 50. Anyway, anyway, um, when I was a kid, I loved the rainbow. Butterfly in the sky. Mm. Love the rainbow. Definitely. Classic. I was a kid uh, for a while, but when I was a kid, the rainbow didn't exclusively mean LBGTQ pride. Right. And I want to start off the second by saying, but I have no problem with that. Right. But someone convinced me between uh, 89 and 95 that the rainbow was gay, which meant that I couldn't participate. I think that was more of a formality of homophobia and patriarchy rather than the fact that the rainbow was somehow toxic. So I asked my question. I asked a question to myself. I said, uh, when did the rainbow become about LBGTQ pride? So I did my Googles and I found something very interesting. I want y'all to check it out. Okay, okay. Uh, Gilbert Baker, an openly gay man and a drag queen, designed the first rainbow flag. Baker later revealed that he was urged by Harvey Milk to create the symbol of pride for the gay community. Now, I don't know how much y'all know about like, the of history Milk's of gay was... rights, but I know about Harvey Milk. He's like the MLK, per se. Don't okay. get offended, black folks, but it's a dude. Harvey Milk was like that nigga when it came to gay rights, right? Okay, gotcha. So Baker decided to make the symbol a flag because he saw the flag as the most, like the, the, the symbol of a flag as the most powerful symbol of pride. Got you. So Baker saw the rainbow as a natural flag from the sky. So he adopted eight colors for the stripes, each color uh, with its own meaning. Hot pink is for sex, red is for life, orange is for healing, yellow for sunlight, green for nature, turquoise for art, indigo for harmony. Hmm. That's what the, I didn't know. Did y'all know this? I just know about Roy G. Biv. That's all I knew too, right? And that's just the colors of the rainbow, but apparently... In the gay the flag is eight. The flag. Yeah, right. eight. Well, and there's deeper seven. meaning. And, uh, well, the flag, the symbolic flag is eight, but the actual flag is six because back in the 70s when they came up with this, they didn't have enough colors to make the other two. So they just made a six-flag uh, rainbow, wow. right? But it's really, the symbolic flag is eight flags for, for those reasons, right? So I find the most important part, he said that he saw that flags were an important symbol, which is true because everybody's got a motherfucking flag. And then he said... Wait, that's something I didn't put in there, but uh, he said as a gay person, one of the responsibilities is to live openly and live out. So the reason why he chose the rainbow is because the rainbow is a flag in the sky. It's like the biggest, openest, most out flag that you can have, right? Hmm. The lesson don't start there, because this is a gay dude. 
right? And we're talking about gay is just one letter, LBGTQ. This is why they got teachers sitting sit in school. He later said in an interview, uh, our job as gay people is to come out, to be visible, to live in the truth, and as I say, to get out of the lie. A flag really fit this mission because that's the way of proclaiming visibility. Uh, two more lessons, though. So that was in the 1970s. In 1994, this is when the flag changes for us, right? Tom, Tom, you was arriving in the 70s, so you saw it. In 1994... <laughs> It was not until 1994 the rainbow flag truly became a symbol for LBGTQ pride. 24 and 25 years between gay and LBGTQ. Very much so, black folks don't get don't get offended again. Very much so, Freedmen Bureau vibes. Like we've been free. What do we call ourselves? What do we name ourselves? Turns out, in the queer community, gay is not enough. That does not include lesbians, does not include the trans community, does not include the queer community, the questioning community, et cetera, et cetera. Intersex, intergender. So, like, uh, as we know, you know, we black people, we know about the history of liberation as it comes to uh, our race. But when I look at lessons like this from, and this is crazy, because now I remember, this might be one of my original goes too deep. When I look at situations like this, I feel so empowered by the gay struggle to recognize that they have a lineage and a history, and not only that, but a symbology to back up their pride, like to back up their perspective. That shit is that shit is beautiful to me. So to answer my own question, can a straight black man love the rainbow? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's BMO goes through deep. Hey, man, you're going to love it in a few months in the city because what? Well, <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be all over. Be pro- the pro- I used to live on 14th Street. Oh, so see. every year that shit ground zero, on me, bro. That shit was. I'd just be going to the store, be like, "Oh, oh shit, shit, it's a man in his drawers." <laughs> okay, I'm just saying. Ain't like, that no, around rainbow, Memorial Day? Rainbow or flags it like later all over the place. What are you say, Matt? There's rainbow flags all over DC, so it's like you gonna you gonna respect it regardless. I'm seeing that I'm. It's, who is a complicated relationship between brands and symbols of liberation? So right. just like brands are using Juneteenth. Like the Juneteenth holiday sale. That's what they're doing to get niggas to come into the store. That's a thing for real. Hell yeah. That's just going to work. I bet uh, not. Did you hear about Sheen recently? No, but just at, hold on one second. But just as. Like oil Sheen? No. No, Sheen, the, the company. Just as uh, companies are using Black Lives Matter flags, black products, oh, yeah. Juneteenth to get black people in the stores, you got them right. These corporations are throwing up rainbow flags in situations to get gay people to use their products. Why? Because we spend motherfucking money. <laughs> Right. Tell me about Sheen, Tom Tom. So Sheen is in trouble because they have like a cell phone case that was a black person outlined. Uh, like in chalk. Yeah. Like that that either just dropped or went viral like within the past like twenty four to forty eight hours. So everybody's starting to cross off Sheen. I fucking love Sheen's pants, so I'm I'm gonna keep rocking with him. And mad people were like, damn, we're about to get 25 outfits for $100 now. But they 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 on they, they in punishment right now. Cause I mean, it, it seems like brands do this to get the attention of black folks sometimes. There, there was a commercial. I forget who it was. I was trying to look it up just now. But it was it was like cutting to what um, people want to do to help invest in communities. And one white guy who was like on a motorcycle was like, I want to invest in black-owned businesses. Oh, like, yeah. get the fuck out of here. I've seen that commercial. No, and it's like they purposely got a white guy to say, say that yeah. for impact purposes. I'm like, that didn't feel that didn't feel real at all. Not, not genuine at all. Tom Tom, this is actually gonna lead into your thoughtful question. Okay. But when I'm I'm working at creative theory, and oh my goodness, we are the intersection of marketing and black people. Right. And we've we had a very challenging conversation a couple of Wednesdays ago in which they asked, is creative theory doing the work of helping the black community? Or is investing in creative theory investing in the black community? And to which I had to tell these wonderful six-figured folks, no. (laughs) We are marketing. And marketing is a loose term. Um, what we are doing, and a, a quote was brought up, was like, when you see black folks on the screen, are you being marketed? Are you being represented to? Are you being represented? Or are you being marketed to? Hmm. And you're being marketed to. Right. You're not being represented. You're not being alleviated of your problems. They use the issues of the community <clears throat> like a flag in front of the store to get you to buy a product. 
Right. Yeah. What's your question? Go ahead. Of not now. What I what was naturally coming to my head was um, the fact that like just because it's in a commercial doesn't mean the actual company is doing the work to uphold it. Say that too. You can say whatever the fuck you want to say. No, that wasn't company, that was that wasn't fine for creative theory. That was just no, no, no. But, but what I'm saying is, as a company, and we've seen reports come out recently. I think it was Google, it's either Google, Facebook, or Apple. Last year, they invested this exorbitant amount of money into the black community, including matriculation strategies within the company, hiring strategies from HBCUs, and like hiring standards to include more black people. Over the last year, it has fallen. They have less black people who work for these companies. Right. But they've invested more money into it. Yeah, so you can say whatever the fuck you want to say. Uh, I, and I saw during like Black History Month, there was a, there was a tweet that said, companies will spend... Uh, a one million dollars in the community, and then spend five million dollars marketing it. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I, I, that that feels like the difference between diversity and inclusion. Like, sounds like capitalism, and that's that's it. capitalism. And they call that's not diversity and inclusion. They call it diversity and inclusion. No, I, I, I'm, that's why I said it. <laughs> Which is my big my biggest fear is one day they'll pass reparations. It'll be $20, a slap on the ass, and then they'll always say for the rest of American history, we gave y'all reparations. Right. That's my biggest fear. People using people using the tropes and the names and the nomenclature that's supposed to be towards black liberation to market us, to market towards us. You can buy more fucking Clorox. Anyway. Thoughtful question. <laughs> so today's thoughtful question. <laughs> almost, almost, almost. Today's thoughtful question is how do you how do you keep your composure as a businessman out of the world? <laughs> See how you keep this composure, how you facilitate. How do you, how do you stand how do you know when to stand up for yourself or let go? Cuz it's just it's better for the whole situation. Like well, how do you how do you differentiate between the two? Uh a lot of mine is experience driven, obviously. A lot right. of times where I did the wrong thing or, you know, wish I had spoken up after the fact but I didn't, or maybe I went a little bit too overboard and it I felt overexposed. So it just comes with experience and I think it's about assessing risk properly, you know, at this right. point. Um I've worked hard so that certain things are uh, undeniable it can't be taken away from me so it's not a matter of how I push back or if I respond to something where I don't feel comfortable if I don't feel comfortable in a situation I'm in a I like to be in a position where I can just make my own moves so experience has also taught me to be flexible and to be um be ready to pivot so um but yeah it's all it's a wrap it up it's all about assessing risk of the situation and you know um Keep into your code. If you got a code and you feel like you got to stick, you know, stand up and speak on something, then follow that code. Right, right, right. What about you, BMO? Man's got to have a code. Man's got to have a code. Always. So, as I've outlined on this show before, I've been fired a lot. <clears throat> like a lot. Like a lot. Almost double digits now. Mm. Um, nice. Right. I consider that a thing, too. Out of all the times I've been fired, each time is because I have spoken out against authority hmm. and vibrantly. I know how I talk. This, there is no calm. <laughs> there is no reserve. Like, if, if I disagree with you, I disagree with you. And I'm going to say it matter-of-factly. We went to breakfast the other day. The, 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 the meal oh, no, was terrible. Example. The meal was terrible. The waiter came and asked how I was, and I said, that shit was gross. I'm, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you straight up. Um mm. So how do I keep my composure? I often find myself not keeping it. But I feel like that's the brand of BMO. And what I appreciate about developing an entrepreneurial life is that I have positioned myself so that people got to come partner with me. Right. Or we're partnered. So, like, how you feel about my behavior, I don't really give a fuck. Like, we are going to be successful. I'm successful. You're successful. We're going to be successful. I'll be couth. And uh, uh, and respectful of our partnership, but I'm I'm going to be me. Right. This this idea of composure, even when we're talking about like black women with bonnets, this idea of composure is like an idea to be neutral or uh, 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 passive or like malleable, which is cool in certain situations. Because I don't want people <laughs> who aren't in certain situations to one day 
be malleable and the next day not be. I feel like that's more detrimental because you're being inconsistent. Uh, but in, in terms of me, like, that's just not how I... Composure? Ah. Composure is like not drinking more than two drinks when we at the company party. Composure is like uh, making sure I sanitize my hand before I walk in so I don't smell like straight gas. Like, that's <laughs> my that's my type of composure. But um, <clears throat> am I going to, like to Matt said, am I going to like hold my tongue when it comes to speaking truth to power? Never. Never. And if you can't handle that shit, to me, maybe you, I, to me, that's a more of an indication of your cowardice rather than like your cowardice to actually stand against something, uh, stand stand for something while someone is pressing you in the opposite direction. Right. And to me, the strongest leaders are the people who are able to take dissension and questioning towards power and mold that back into the energy of the project. The weak ones are the ones that are like, I can't stand opposite opinions. I can't stand people expressing themselves authentically. This shit's, it makes me nervous. I have to lean back on these rules of professionalism in order for me to gain my power back. Nah, that's just, to me, that's just weakness. Yeah, I look at, at the shit like sport. Like, if it's not my personal life, you feel mm-hmm. me? So I'm like, I need to be around high performing teams because I consider myself as a high performing player slash asset. And if I don't feel like that, I've built up a resume and a work experience and just general experience enough where I could be like, all right, I'm out. I'll go, I'll go elsewhere where I'm appreciated or I'll take the things that I need. And I'm always, whatever situation I'm in, I'm already looking at the bullet points on a resume or what I can put in the pitch deck to take away. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So I've already garnered takeaways and my values from this. So now I can just leverage that to the next situation. Gotcha. So, gotcha. so when I was, when I was thinking of this question, the context in which I was thinking of it was like um, less like a composure, like you know, being like uh, what's the word? How you how did you say it earlier? Less like just giving the dissenting opinion. People don't like it. It was more like, okay, this person has me fucked up. Like, <laughs> am I am I going to be professional or am I going to walk away with my dignity? And that's how I handled this. Because um, composure, like. At least in the way that I'm using it, it's like it's relative. It all depends on the situation and ah, I got you. Who. I got you. So a situation like that, because I do get an attitude fast. I just be walking away. Right. Like when in in certain situations where my dissension is causing me personal anguish, like we're doing something that I just vehemently disagree with in spirit. Right. I just walk away. And even if that means I come back to the team later and express, yo, I had to walk away because I had an attitude. That just I just I gotta remove myself from the situation. Cause if not, my natural response is I'm going to keep attacking this point and show you how wrong you are until you can see how wrong you are. And that's just, that's not as always, that's not beneficial for teamwork. And then the other reason why I chose it is, I suppose, the context of our last conversation and emotions. So a lot of people say that emotions don't belong in business. And I'm saying that, like, I'm not saying that, yo, it, it, it's all part of it, but it's like, it still goes into the thought process. Whether you choose to be angry with it or choose to be have an attitude, it's all part of like the whole being like a businessman, you have to have different things that weigh your decisions. Yeah, I mean, for me, I've been in sales positions and customer facing roles for the past five or so years. So, you know, there's been a couple meetings or interactions where somebody's just brash or somebody's being an asshole and you just gotta learn how to have thick skin. And right. you know, for the sake of the money and the for sake and the, for the sake of why we're here right. is best that I I don't lose my control or I don't lose my temper uh, because I don't stand. It's a, it's a risk assessment. What do I stand to gain in that particular moment? Now, right. I can go back to my team. There's been certain t- situations where I'll go and I'll go through different avenues and that message is, is felt, you know right. what I'm saying, off off the court. Right. But while we're still in that game, I still got to – I still gotta land. I got. I still gotta land the plane. I still gotta finish the game. Hit the I still gotta. Throws. I gotta hit my free throws. Yeah, I still gotta it. finish this out. I can't be thrown off and and remove myself from the game because I just got flagrant fouled or I just got hit. You know, right. somebody hit hey, when you least expected it or right. something like that. Right. I don't know. Like, I guess the reason why I'm bringing it up is just like I feel like everybody has a breaking point and. You know, sometimes, it's, like we say, saying, depending on the context of the situation, sometimes it's smart to remove yourself. Sometimes it's better to be like, yo, this is wrong and this is why. Right. And, you know, 
just so you don't make this mistake again, this is why I'm reminding you of it. Right. Um, a lot of things, uh, what I've learned in a professional sense is like, yo, it doesn't need to become a big blow up right then and there, especially the, the big damage is when there's other people around to witness it. Right. You can still get your shit off in a one-on-one. You, you really can. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I think real bosses, well, not not even real bosses, I don't even need to say it like that, but good eventually leaders. good leaders and people who just want to win in whatever field and, and, and be a good team have to have those come to Jesus conversations, have to have those real talk discussions. Yeah. yeah. One of my favorite podcast episodes is just like that. The reckoning of Andrew Schultz after Andrew after Schultz oh. went off on uh his right wing right wing shit yeah yeah on Angela Ride too this nigga was wild in the episode that episode before and the next episode what the, what podcast is this it's the Brilliant Idiots the next uh-huh. episode Charlemagne Wax the whole crew brought this nigga in and it's like yo you was wilding bro mm-hmm. you gotta cut that shit out love that shit but that's just <laughs> it's good leadership yeah I'm laughing because I thought about Joe Button. Because he did the opposite. <laughs> Lord have mercy. I think, but Tom, Tom, to your point, I think, not a thing. Emotional gets a bad rap. Right. I had a mentor tell me one time: if you are basing all of your decisions purely on logic, you are gonna fuck up a lot. Precisely. Mm. Um, emotional gets a bad rap, and I feel like while we own a conversation of patriarchy, I feel like that's the way the patriarchy tries to demonize, demonize women because women are more in tune with their emotion, not in tune, are more emotionally intelligent uh, than men are on a on a social, nice a traditional social level. You know, you got to get your own, yeah, get your own uh, misogyny from time to time. Um, yeah, but women are more emotionally intelligent, and so a way to demonize emotional decisions that we call niggas emotional for making decisions, but. Every businessman is making an emotional decision. Right. Facts. Like, I, when we were, uh, me and the lady at the house, we were doing research on the emotions of animals one day. I wanted to know if animals can be sad. And they did a test, and they said that one of the emotions that animals feel is needing. Hmm. Like, the, I didn't, I never thought about that. Like, the, the act of wanting something, the act of desiring is an emotion, apparently. And animals feel that emotion. And we animals, so we feel needing as well. Um, <clears throat> saying that to say that, like, I don't even know what I was talking about. Emotions. Yeah. Like, you're going to make emotional decisions. It's just part of who you are. Right. Even if you want to make more money, that's an emotion. Right. But niggas think this emotions is you just sitting at your desk crying, thinking about, oh, I don't know if I can make this decision. Nigga, hesitancy is, a, is an emotion. Right. Get out of here. Right. I feel like that was the bigger theme in what in even the uh, like context of the question. So y'all hit it on the nose. Nicely done, fellas. <laughs> yeah. Stop time. <laughs> y'all want to get to the uh the tools of the trade? Let's do it. So tools of the trade are your metaphysical, psychological, partials, any tools that can be literal or metaphorical, uh, any tools that you need throughout the week to help you get through the week. We like to close the show on this just to give, you know, we are eavesdropping for you guys are eavesdropping on a great conversation between creators, so we might as well give you some some good advice. Um, I don't have one off the top of my head. Anybody want to go first? I'll go first. Go ahead. Um, Matt, Backpack Matt on Twitter, at Mr. Backpack on Instagram. This isn't a, a, I'll say this, it's friends. Friends are my tool of the trade. Nice. And I have some big potential moves. I would say, you know, elevation opportunities that I'm working oh, really? on. Really? Shout out to friends. Who have taken time out of their schedule to, to work with me to, you know, tighten up the resume. That's all I'll say. Shout out to friends. Well, we love the mystery. Tom, Tom, what you got? Damn, I had one and I literally lost it as as I was about to open my mouth. Uh, you might have to re- replace me. That's all good. Uh, you can find me, Bemo Brown, at B-E-M-O Brown, all social media sites. Make sure y'all listening to Wake and Bake with Bemo. Yeah. Tuesdays and Thursdays on Instagram Live. We about to change that Tuesday, though, because Tuesdays is not working. Um, my tool of the trade for this week, last week it was water. Um, I think, who said who said something about walking last week? Was that you, Matt? That was both of us. Yeah. I have adopted that. So I am going to double down on last week's thing because we I've just been walking like a motherfucker now. Got a wet. Where, this where you been walking to? <laughs> Should I just be walking around? Walk around the neighborhood. Just eh? Walk around, just walk around, bro. Like, I well, not now that you're 32, you're embracing the old man's pastime. 
Hey, the Look magic. The magic year. That, that was a well timed zinger. The, the magic year. <laughs> you just think you thought you were just gonna keep getting me on 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 the podcast, and I'm not gonna get you once. This is the beginning of something very special. You got a tour to trade time time. What's up? Being the youngest nigga here. (laughs) 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 Staying out the way. (laughs) Did he, he, he like, take That was like a dunk tip he just hit on. I'm just saying. I'm out of it. Just dunk tip us. Anyway. um, Like, just came slightly off the rim. Boom! I got y'all. Don't worry. Don't worry. You know, don't worry. <laughs> Jammed on him, <laughs> Timothy <Yeah>. Mosgoff. <laughs> He's good for that one season. It's the- That's it. That's it. What you got, top time? Mine is uh, determination and discipline. D and D. Yes, sir. Um, I don't know. Couple conversations I've had recently. Um, just have to remind yourself that these are things that you have in the bag, and you just you also you always hold on to them. Mm. Cause I don't know. Uh, in that same conversation, there was like a heavy, a heavy um, fix, uh, for lack of better words, fixation on self-examination, right? Okay. And one of the things I said was like, "How do you talk to yourself when you buy yourself, and is it positive?" Mm. Mm. And kind of you have to hold onto these good parts of yourself. So you remind, like you remind yourself, yo, I'm, I am making progress. Yo, I am doing this thing. I'm waking up in the morning and doing this every day. That's a form of discipline. Mm-hmm. Even though, you know, you might take for granted, you know, I woke up today. I, I brushed my teeth today. I ate today. Mm-hmm. These are all things that you're being good to yourself with. But, yeah, so determination, discipline, and just holding on to the good parts of yourself. Man, that's good time time, you get the social medias already? Oh no no, I forgot. Uh, Thomas the Great on IG, um, Tommy underscore Pickles, P I C K L Z. Shout out to the Washington Informer. Shout out to the Bridge. Right. Shout out to Lafayette, Claude, the whole family. That's right. That's gang right. gang. That's right. We are proudly brought to you by the the Bridge Informer. Uh, oh my goodness, the Bridge Podcast Network, excuse me, the Washington Informative Bridge Podcast Network. We are right here. Make sure you visit uh, wrbridge.com to see what other episodes and other podcasts we got coming up. We got more podcasts premiering on the network very soon. DJ Gina Marie, Erica St. Louis. I'm trying to get Blackstone to do a podcast because they got oh. a pretty cool situation going on. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, make sure y'all do that. Follow us at OTS on all social media platforms or overtheshoulderpod.com. Yep. Over the shoulder. Nice. Pod.com and make sure y'all keep coming back to catch these gems that be dropping. We'll see y'all next week. Peace. 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 peace.